You are listening to CEO Perspectives, a podcast by the Conference Board. Well, it is it is such a thrill uh, to welcome an outstanding member of our HR community, uh, Donna Morris, who's the Executive Vice President and Chief People Officer at Walmart, Inc. She's a member of the Executive Committee, and she's responsible for attracting, retaining, and developing talent for one of the world's largest private employers. Uh, Donna, I know you bring more than 20 years of experience uh, in innovative and uh, extraordinary teams to take a look at people's solutions and helping build agile teams and helping to build high-performance organizations and doing that with a culture that promotes diversity and inclusion. Um, Donna joined from uh, Adobe um, years ago and where she had also served as the uh, Chief Human Resources Officer and the Executive Vice President of Employee Experience. So she joins us now to talk about uh, how we set the stage for the future uh, for the CHROs and our profession. And I'm excited to welcome you, Donna. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks very much for having me. It's a pleasure. Well, there are so many things that I would love to, to touch on today. Maybe we could start with just a few words about your journey uh, to the role that you currently have at Walmart and sort of the the ways in which your career might have been shaped by the experiences that you were offered. Sounds great. Let me start by saying I feel like I'm in my dream job today. And that's because it combines my passion for making an impact for people. And we have a very sizable workforce. As you mentioned, we have more than 2.1 million associates that work for us across markets. And Walmart is in the midst of continuing to transform to delight and deliver to our customers and to our members. And that requires a lot of digital transformation and blending people with technology. And those are my passions, people, technology, really having purpose. Um, You know, if I roll back the tape, I've been working for a long time. I was sharing recently that I had my first part-time job when I was 13. Now, that was not child labor. That was permissible in Canada at that point in time. And I worked at a dry cleaners. And I bring that up because I have always had a desire, frankly, to make an impact and to serve others. I view myself today as someone who's a servant leader. That's very much part of our culture here at Walmart. Um, But from an early age, I was working and I was going to school, of course, at the same point in time. Um, But I think I got delighted by actually you know, making a difference in people's lives. And that would lead me to go to university. I went to Carleton University, which is in Ottawa, Canada. I ended up pursuing political science, which has nothing to do with HR. Um, But in Canada, we had a professional designation and I was mentored early to go and pursue my designation, very much similar to the US and having SHRM here in the US getting certified. Mm -hmm. So I did that and then I've had a mixture of specialized roles in uh, the field and then generalist roles and a combination of uh, public corporations, private corporations, publicly traded companies um, across a multitude of industries. And that's uh, led me today to Walmart, which of course is an omni-channel retailer. Well, you know, that rich uh, variety of experiences is probably one of the great things that helped you be able to take something on of this scale and this kind of complexity. Because especially as you're looking to to move into more of a 
you know, a digitally transformed world. I mean, th these are not things that uh, are the same with much smaller organizations, I would imagine. Just simply the size of what needs to be done and the interconnectedness of things has to be a huge challenge. You know, I realized very early on in my journey here, I joined in February 2020, and within three weeks, all of us across industries here in the United States were grappling with how to support our workforces and our businesses given um, the pandemic and COVID. And I actually reflected that what's required when you have such scale is intensifying your efforts around communication and change and how you actually build momentum. And so I, I, whilst I like to believe that size doesn't make an impact, I think what it does is heightens your um, requirement, once again, to be focused on driving communication to lead people through any type of a change agenda. And, you know, I think for those of us that are in the people function, HR function, employee success, whatever you name the, the team that's responsible for your most important assets being your people, is at the end of the day, we're change agents. We're individuals that have to be partnered with the outcomes of business success. And we do that by aligning our people to the objectives of our business and then making sure that they understand the role that they play in those efforts. You know, I, I do think it makes you very uh, thoughtful about the bets you're about to make because <laughs> when it's slightly off, it could be very off. So, well, you know, Let's talk a little bit about this this change uh, profile. And so I'm sure you have a vision uh, of what a, a future um, world of work at Walmart will look like and what some of the, the job roles, how they may shift and change. I know it's trendy to talk about, you know, generative AI and how that's going to either be the end of us or the beginning of us in one way or another. I wonder what your thought was as you think about what the future uh, of jobs and the future uh, of Walmart as a as a employer uh, begins to look like. You know, I think the exciting aspect is we've all been part of the future in our present and likely in our past, which is we blend what we bring as people, as humans, and we leverage technology to take out some of the repetitive tasks, some of the very manual tasks, the labor-intensive tasks. And, you know, I think what we're going to find in the future is it will also take out some of the taxing, redundant tasks that could have a first draft done by, um, frankly, technology or the machine or generative AI, et cetera. If I can give some examples, you know, early in the pandemic to serve our customers, we had to pivot. We had to focus on curbside and delivery, and that meant ensuring that we set up an entire software ecosystem, but also equipped our frontline associates with handheld mobile devices that really guided a lot of their work. And what we found was our frontline adapted extremely well, so proud of our associates. But it was really, really important that they were brought along on that journey and that, frankly, we educated people real time on the job. And I think all of us have to be thinking about not the fact that jobs are going to change because they are. They already are. And I think if each of us took our careers and we reflected upon how we were working with technology, depending upon how long we've been working, we'd realize there's lots of changes. I'll age myself. But when I started, I had a mainframe and I certainly didn't have a mobile device. And there actually was even a word processing pool. So everybody's going to wonder how 
ancient I am. But I use that as an example because your job always morphs and changes given technology. I think the role of the people team is to continue to help drive the business to equip individuals on the job. Here at Walmart, we do that through our academies and also a program called Live Better You. But if you're not in Walmart, I think what you have to ask yourself is, how are you equipping your associates, your employees in the flow of work to educate them relative to the combination of what are truly human traits and what technology brings to bear? You know, I think your point about the evolution of technology and as we've come through and many of us started, I'll speak for myself, I started way back in the pack and I was a high school teacher in the middle of nowhere. And we had a mimeograph machine. I just want you to get a sense of how long I've been watching the technology thing. Uh, but, but your point is well taken. And not only will, it, will the jobs change and the technology that needs to support them, but we have to bring people along. And um, you mentioned Live Better You. I wondered if you could talk a little bit about some of the ways in which you're preparing um, your 2.1 million employees to come along on this journey and be prepared for that future. Well, growth is one of our key priorities for our people. To just give you a bit of a, an indication, it takes on average seven months for a frontline associate to have their first promotion. And 75% of our store managers started in the front line. So how we actually equip individuals means that first on the job, we have to give them, I'll call them job aids. And uh, we've built an app that we call MEAT, and that sits on a layer of information, but it provides small little guides to individual it, individuals. It could be videos, it could actually be directions, it could be in the form of associates asking a question, but that's on the job training. Clearly peers, team leads, managers really support. Our academies are more specialized skills. So think of um, the skills required for certain jobs. That's what an academy does. And Live Better You is all about investing in our frontline for their future. This is where we focus on everything from high school education completion, language skills, but also specialized certificates and degree programs that are focused on future roles. Think cybersecurity, or in our business, that could be in health and wellness roles. And this is where our associates actually, in addition to doing their day jobs, are studying and pursuing education in the evenings or on weekends in and around uh, their shifts. And to give you an indication, we've had more than 89,000 associates that have pursued Live Better You in the period of time that we've had that program, many of them going on then to have increasing responsibilities and new career paths. And I realize that not everyone uh, might be able to offer those types of programs at employers um, across different industries. But what I would encourage people that is, is that the number one way for people to learn is on the job. And that's really the role of managers and how we equip our managers to be effective coaches real time and make sure that we're preparing individuals for the future. So Donna, I, I think you're spot on. I mean, in, in this type of labor market, I think we have people who are hungry for the ability to continually learn and grow. It's certainly an attraction you know, tool, and but I think it's also a retention tool and it also has tremendous benefits, not only for the individual, but for their families and communities. But it also, I think, becomes a competitive advantage uh, for, for any organization. 
And and I would imagine that when you have those kinds of people, 89,000, I think you said, who pursued a degree, but I'm sure many others are getting certification or stacking credentials or gaining great experience. I mean, that's got to do a lot for perhaps some people who might not have had an opportunity to, uh, you know, pursue formal uh, training in, a, in an otherwise setting. Uh, but I think it's important. I mean, the shelf life on a bachelor's degree is about four years if you're really lucky, right? Right, and right. So all of us need to be reskilled and upskilled and, you know, moved along. I, I think the, the what I read, and we, we're doing some work on this now, is, you know, in within a generation, we're going to have people who are bumping up against a 100-year life. And that means a 60-year career. And so the question is, what can you find? What can you do? How can you be passionate about, even if they're correlated things or they're, you know, sometimes ancillary moves that you make? How do you think about that at Walmart? How do you think about the the career trajectory of someone who may start out, you know, as a, as an hourly associate, but then they go on to management ranks? Some may take other paths. How do you how do you think about that? Well, I think the interesting thing is we're 60 years old as a company. And what that has meant is by virtue of just our existence, we have individuals that have been on the journey almost for the entire time that our founder, Sam Walton, set up Walmart, which is pretty amazing. Now, in and of that themselves, each of those individuals would have had to be adaptive because the business has changed. How we serve customers, how we envisioned doing the work continues to evolve. But I think your statistic of, you know, the average individual being a centurion and the average individual potentially having a 60-year career how we have thought about the traditional ladder, we've been talking about that for years. We've been saying that that goes away. But I think in the the uh, concept of perhaps 60 years, more of us have to be comfortable with the ebb and flow of what that might manifest. It could be that there's times in our lives when we're really going at full-time work. There could be times where we're doing more gig work and we continue to see that. There could be times when people are looking at flexibility. You know, if I reflect on how that plays out at Walmart, early in the pandemic, we realized that we had to hire aggressively to meet the needs of individuals taking time off because of the pandemic, but also because our business had changed. And in that hiring, we found individuals that came from different industries that decided to stay with us and some decided to go back to those industries. But everybody across the board were looking for increased flexibility. Whether it was in our front line, whether it was in campus, they wanted to have more control in terms of what their work looked like. So in concept of this 60-year notion, I think you're going to see people looking to curate a career that provides more flexibility, that meets them in terms of not only their learning, but their personal life needs too. Um, You know, it's interesting. We have individuals for which this is their very first job. They're in school and we're a part-time job. We have, you know, hundreds of thousands of individuals for which this is their career. But we also have a cohort of individuals that still have purpose. They want to get up and they actually want to go out to a workplace. And those individuals have had very, very lengthy uh, careers in other sectors, and now they're working for us um, later in their life, in their 70s, in their 80s. Um, I do believe we have a few individuals that are in their 90s, and uh, they're looking to continue to contribute. 
And I think for all of us, our vitality comes from being actively engaged. And, you know, I think often there is concern that you, it's hard to go from 100 to zero. And so I think Mm -hmm. for more employers, if we can think about flexible options that allow people to stay in the workplace longer, that's a real benefit to actually provide knowledge to the newer generation that's coming into the workforce. No, I I think a lot of companies perhaps need to be a little bit more thoughtful, as is Walmart, about finding that flexibility. And some of the work that we do, we know that that's one of the drivers of the choice to apply for a job somewhere or not. But we also know that it has a huge impact on mental health. And people who feel that they have some flexibility and can control more of their lives, for example, how their shifts work or how they, to your point, might ramp up or ramp down you know, some of the, the number of hours worked or just how they want to spend their time. But I think all of us probably want to figure out how do we balance the need to, to have perhaps some some kind of a, a, a job, but, but to find one with mission and purpose, which Walmart, I think, articulates very well, but also to be productive, you know, and to your point, not everyone wants to hit the retirement age, whatever that might be at the moment, <laughs> and be nothing. People still want to be useful. They want to make an impact. And there's something to be said for mentoring others and bringing others along at one stage or another of your career. Absolutely. So if you have this sort of broad profile of the types of workers among the 2.1 million, how do you how do you foster a sense of belonging or a sense of wherever you are in the spectrum? This can be a great place for you. You know, I think belonging is critical to actually having an outcome of diversity, inclusion, and equity. And for the first time, we hired our first ever chief belonging officer as an evolution of what had been our diversity, equity, and inclusion officer. For us, what belonging means is that everyone can bring their authentic self to work here at Walmart. That means not the requirement for an individual to morph or change because they're working for us, but in fact, to bring who they are and feel that they are not only accepted, but encouraged to actually be that individual in the workplace. Um, I think belonging brings the notion that we're all part of it together, which I think is also very, very powerful. In a world that sometimes can feel very divided, if I actually feel like I'm in a workplace where I can actually be the same Donna as I am outside of work, that's going to actually allow me to be my best in terms of performance too. So it's definitely, I think, extremely important. And to a point that you mentioned, well-being, mental well-being, I think is an area of acute concern for all of us. It should be. I think the pandemic was extremely challenging for the majority of individuals. And if we don't all care acutely about well-being, starting with mental health, then I think the crisis will continue and perhaps even exasperate. Belonging really helps support a well workplace. And so I think there's a lot of connection between the two. For us here at Walmart, we have three aspects of well-being, mental well-being, financial well-being, and physical well-being. And we've been on a continued journey to invest in each of those areas of well-being, which actually starts with education. We're just rolling out now required learning for our managers and leaders specific to how to spot mental health um, issues uh, within themselves and or others so that we can ensure that we're providing the support 
um, and services to individuals if they need that? You know, I think that's super critical. I mean, you could argue that the uh, the HR function probably had one of its finest moments during the pandemic and all social unrest, just trying to become overnight a chief medical officer, how to keep people safe, how to keep a business running. And I know that uh, this profession leaned on each other and learned every good idea or idea or innovative thing or swapped, you know, just wholesale groups of people so that people could continue to, to continue to work. So you could argue that that was, that was a bright spot. I think also the the impact the, that it has had on uh, supervisors, team leaders, and managers to be that canary in the coal mine, to see, to to recognize someone's struggling, someone's not doing well. Here's how, and, and here's how I help. Not just notice it, right? So I think that's I think that's spot on. And you cannot give your best if you don't feel as though you belong and that you're connected to that mission and purpose. Right. I loved your idea about the workplace. I've always thought. Why couldn't we make it be an oasis? Because the world is nuts and there's no end of things that are going to probably keep coming. You know, how many times have we had a hundred year event in the last couple of years? So making the workplace a place that is somewhat free from that, where you can be, to your point, you know, feel as though you belong. You can be your authentic self. I think that's huge. Um, I, I know this is an important uh, topic for you. I, I just read the HBR piece on, on joy. Tell me, tell me a little bit more about that. Well, you know, I stood back and the last few years have been really trying and challenging for all of us. And at the beginning of the year, probably like many, I spent some time reflecting about my professional objectives, but also my personal objectives. And so this year, at the very beginning of the year, I chose the word joy. Now, very simple word. But the intention was, how do I look and find joy and frankly, even contribute to joy in other people's lives? And I have to tell you, it actually has sparked um, this aspect, and we use the spark as a symbol here at Walmart too. But I think of happiness, you know, it, it, yes, we can each choose to look at the dark. Um, but I'm trying to look at the light on a regular basis and look at associates and how we celebrate them um, because I think it's contagious. You know, I think if we uh, put ourselves in a situation where we can bring more joy, what might that do for someone else? We never know the experience that someone else um, is having at this point in time. But if we can bring kindness and we can bring joy, then how might that alter the outcome? And so I'm hoping it's it's um, something that will help me power through what uh, the year will bring to us because who knows what it'll bring. But I know that each day I'm going to be focused on joy. And I just love that HBR article. I felt like it spoke to me in terms of small common practices that we each can do to adopt um, as part of our daily lives, whether that be at work or outside of the workplace. And you know, rightly or wrongly, many of us still spend more time working than we do doing anything else. And if it doesn't bring us joy, then um, I think that that impacts your overall well-being. And that's not something that I certainly want to put myself into for sure. No, I think that's right. You have to enjoy what you do or you need to keep looking for Correct. something that does. That's right. So, you, Donna, thank you for, for sharing a, about creating this place of joy and opportunity um, that you're you're striving for at, at Walmart. Uh, is there any last thought that you might have about where you think uh, our profession might be headed or some of the things that you think will be even more incumbent upon um, folks like yourself who serve in a chief people officer role 
Any words of advice, any last thoughts? We have four strategic priorities for our people, and clearly we have a large workforce. But I also think of those four priorities as really the mandate of the people function right now across industries. That's what role are we playing in digital? How are you actually adopting digital in the practices to serve a very strong employee experience? How are you thinking about growing your workforce, really equipping the employees that work for you with the skills and capabilities to be successful? How are you fostering an environment of belonging? How are you actually creating that environment for diversity, equity, and inclusion for everyone to bring their authentic selves? And then finally, the pandemic created all the chief human resource officers or members of HR people teams to be very much focused on well-being. And I don't think that that goes away. I think each of us play a critical role in the well-being of our workforce. So digital growth, inclusion, well-being, those are the four areas for us here at Walmart. But I would contend that those are four key areas for all of us in the function today and as we power through whatever will become in the future. But hopefully that will be um, a positive inertia for the function and the impact that we can all make on organizations and people. I, I think that's a great way to end our, our very short time today. I, I wanna thank you for sharing uh, as you have today and, and also for the work that you're doing, which by extension lifts an awful lot of people. Thank you. So thank you very much for joining us. And um, thanks again. Thank you. You have been listening to CEO Perspectives, a podcast by the Conference Board.